0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number
1: 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus.
0: Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. Thank you for this time of year, and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and challenge us this morning. I pray you convict us. I pray you'd remind us of some truths and I pray that uh, we would leave here, uh, not the same as the way we came in, but I pray we'd leave here with a greater love for you and a greater desire to serve you and a greater desire to be what you'd have us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. It's uh, so good to have uh, visitors with us, and we got some folks that have been visiting, the Hatchers, I did get back to talk to you, and the Edwards, We're, we've been honored to have you folks. and. Uh, we've got our neighbor here, Mr. Jackson. Good to see you, and Brother Greg. You got your uh, coworker and family in the front. We're so honored to have you, uh, Miss Kelly. You got your got your brother here, Ken. We're glad to see, you, and I'm sure there's others. I'm not missing anybody on purpose, but uh, I'm just trying to scan the crowd here. And uh, we're so thankful you're in church, especially during this Christmas season. I know it's busy, but let's make sure we put Jesus at number one. That's where he belongs, first place. I want to ask you a question. I asked this in the early service, and of course, in the early service, we have a smaller crowd. It's usually about 100, 110 people in the early service every week. But I wonder how many in this room, and if you, don't, if you can't raise your hand, it's no problem. It's just, this is just the way it is. But how many of you have been in church for over 20 years of your life? You've been in church. Let me see your hands. All right, a lot of hands. You put them down. How many of you have been in church for over 30 years? 30 years or more you've been in church. That's a lot of hands still. You put them down. How about 40? Where's our 40s? Oh, some of you aren't even 40 years old. I don't believe it. 40, all right, put your hands down. And then the last uh, time I'll ask or the last uh, year I'll ask is 50 years or more. How many have been in church for over 50 years? It's a lot of hands. You put them down. There was quite a few in the early service, I'd guess. There were about 15 or so out of 100 people. And uh, that's a lot of hands of people that have been in church. By the way, if you've been in church for three weeks, I'm glad you're in church. And you got to start somewhere. And the goal, by the way, the goal is to get in church and stay in church and stay in the Bible and love God and serve God for a lifetime. Maybe you got saved later in life or maybe you got away from the Lord and now you've gotten back. Uh, stay on track and uh, keep on. I ask those questions for this reason. I'm going to preach this morning a message about the Christmas story that I just take for granted that everybody knows. I just assume that everybody understands this. As a matter of fact, this message this morning is not an obscure thought. It's not some remote or random part of the Christmas story. This message that I'm going to preach this morning is a Bible doctrine. Not only is it a Bible doctrine, we would refer to this as a cardinal doctrine, meaning that this is foundational. If you don't have this doctrine, then you don't have anything. By the way, the message I'm going to preach this morning, if you don't have, and if I don't have this doctrine to base our faith upon, then we don't have a faith. As a matter of fact, there's no Christmas story without this Bible doctrine. There are Bible doctrines that are foundational, such as the deity of Christ. I'll preach about that probably in a couple weeks, maybe the Sunday right after Christmas. The deity of Christ just simply means that Jesus is 100% God. It's not. By the way, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's not like this. God the Father has the most power and then God the Son has some power and the Holy Spirit has a little bit. Oh no, they are three in one. They are coexistent, they are co-equal. That's a Bible doctrine. The Trinity, it's a Bible doctrine. The deity of Christ. Here's a, a Bible doctrine, the blood atonement. You know what that means? That Jesus shed his blood and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. If Jesus didn't die on the cross, if Jesus did not have His blood shed for you and for me, then we are still lost in our sins. You've got to have the blood atonement. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's foundational. There's a doctrine that we refer to as the bodily resurrection of Christ. Here's what that means. Jesus was crucified, he, was, he died, he was buried, and Jesus, his spirit didn't just kind of go up to heaven to be with God. His body, his body was resurrected. Jesus rose from the dead and he was seen. The Bible says of above 500 witnesses, they saw him. After he died, they saw him as he was resurrected. He came back from the dead. Can I tell you, that's a foundational doctrine that we hold to. Another foundational doctrine is that of the second coming. That means Jesus is coming back. He came the first time in a manger, but when he comes back, he is coming to rule and to reign, and Jesus Christ is coming back. That's foundational. Here's the doctrine I want you to see this morning. It says in verse number 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ Was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, did you catch that in verse 18? The Bible says she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That means that his birth was miraculous, his conception was miraculous. The Bible says before they came together, before they had a physical, intimate relationship, Mary had conceived in her a baby, and that baby was conceived not of Joseph. That baby was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, there's never been another baby that's been born like that. Never has been, never will be. This doctrine that we're talking about this morning is what we refer to as the virgin birth of Christ. Go with me down to verse number 20. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, that's Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. It's repeated to Joseph. Make no mistake about it. This baby was not conceived by Joseph. This baby was not conceived by any other man. This baby was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Some some versions of the Bible, they'll take that word virgin and they'll change it just to mean a young maid or a young woman. But I got news for you. Mary wasn't just young. She was a virgin, meaning she was pure, meaning she had not known a man in a physical, intimate way. A virgin shall be with child. Verse number 25, the Bible says, and Joseph knew her not. Again, we're not talking about the fact he's like, oh, I don't even know who that is. That word knew, it means to know in a physical, intimate way. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. You say, well, why is that mentioned there? So that there would be no mistake that Jesus was born of a virgin. That Jesus' birth was miraculous. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 27. The Bible says that the angel came uh, to a virgin, verse 27, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. Verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. And I tell you, God looked down and he saw this world and he saw the mess that this world was in. God didn't send another prophet. God didn't send another priest. God didn't send another king. God didn't send another teacher. God sent his son. He sent us Jesus, the Savior, the only one who could save us from our sins. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Mary's asking the question. She said, how am I going to have a baby because I've not had a relationship with a man? Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Say, why do all of those verses say it over? And over and over again. Here's why. Because the birth of Jesus was miraculous. The birth of Jesus was that of a baby being born of a virgin. We believe, and the Bible teaches very clearly, in the virgin birth. Make no mistake. Jesus was not born of man, but he was born of God, He is the Son of God. Let's talk about how this applies to us today. Number one, and I'll go quickly. We got done early last week. Please don't get your hopes up for today. But last week, we did get done early. So I'll use some of my time from last week. Number one, I'm just I'm teasing, okay? Some of you are getting worried. Number one, the plan of God. The virgin birth was no accident. The virgin birth was not an afterthought. God was not in heaven thinking, you know, I wonder how I should send my son to be born. And he didn't just flip a coin or he didn't just kind of come up with something someday. But this was a plan that had been prophesied. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah seven fourteen, the Bible says that a virgin would conceive. And bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel. That was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. It was prophesied, it was predicted, and it was promised that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now, can I tell you? We know Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is very exciting for us, and it's common for us to sing about Bethlehem in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. But Bethlehem was just a tiny little place out of the way. That wasn't where the kings were. Jerusalem was where the kings would be. But Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Micah 5, 2 prophesied. Genesis chapter 3. Go back to the first book in the Bible, and it was prophesied that there would come a Savior from the seed of a woman. Now, what's interesting about that is normally in the Bible, it talks about the seed of a man. You hear many times the seed of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob, but Genesis 3, the Bible says that from the seed of the woman, there would come a Savior. And that Savior would crush the head of the serpent. Can I tell you who fulfilled that? Jesus Christ. He came and he conquered death. And he conquered hell and he conquered the grave. And by the way, it's not over yet. Someday he's going to take that old devil and he's going to throw him into a lake of fire where Satan will never more bother you. He won't bother me. He won't give us any more trouble. He will be cast into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And Jesus Christ will conquer once and for all. And that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3. In Galatians, the Bible tells us that Jesus came at the fullness of time. Jesus came at the right time. Jesus came not one day early. He didn't come one day late. How many of you know that babies don't always come when you think they're coming, right? Sometimes they come early. Sometimes they come late. Sometimes they come when you don't least expect it. But I want to tell you this, Jesus came right on time. And let me just throw this out there. This isn't the message, but it's good. Can I tell you, you may think that Jesus hasn't showed up for you. You may think that Jesus hasn't been there for what you're going through, but I want to tell you, Jesus will show up on time for you in your situation. He's not forgotten you, and uh, He won't start today. Number one, the plan of God. Number two, and we've already looked at these verses. You, I encourage you to read some more, study some more. But number two, I want you to see the purity. The purity of Mary and Joseph. We didn't even get into the life of Joseph, but Joseph, the Bible says that he was a just man. Uh, Mary and Joseph were godly. They were pure. They were devout, meaning that they did everything to do what was right. Can I tell you, this was important. This was not an accident. God went to such great lengths in Scripture to record that Mary and Joseph were pure because Jesus is God, because God is holy. In Old Testament times and into the time of Christ, there were three stages in a marriage. The first stage was the engagement. Now, by the way, we don't do this like this today. Some countries do. We don't. But in some places, and in Bible times they did it this way, the parents picked your spouse for you. I don't mean they suggested it. I don't mean that they encouraged it. I mean they picked your spouse for you. Amen. Easy for you to say, Brother Dan, you're already married. (laughs) What about Mark and what about Alexis and Haley? need to pray for them. But the first stage was the engagement, and many times your spouse was picked for you and you had never even met them. The next stage was the betrothal, and in the betrothal stage, historians tell us that it lasted for a year, but during that stage, the marriage had still not been consummated. There had not been a marriage ceremony, but it was during that time where literally the They're actually getting to meet one another. You know that'd be scary. Meet the person, say hi. My name is so and so. My name is so and so. We're getting married, and it's the first time we're ever meeting. But that is the stage that Mary and Joseph were in. The third stage would have been the marriage ceremony, and they had not come to that stage, and they had not yet come together. But you see, Mary and Joseph, the Bible makes it very clear that they were pure. They were holy. They had not yet known one another in a physical, intimate way. God goes to great lengths to make sure that is clear for us in Scripture so that we know we have a virgin-born Son of God. Now, I want to remind you, if Jesus is not virgin-born, then the Bible is a lie. And Jesus is not who he says he was. Jesus himself claimed that he was the Son of God. And if Jesus was not the Son of God, if Jesus uh, had a a father, uh, an earthly father, uh, who had a relationship with Mary, and Jesus came from that relationship, then Jesus is a liar. You see, there's a lot resting on this virgin birth thing. And the whole Christmas story, the fact that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son, you better throw all that out if Jesus was not born of a virgin. But the Bible makes it very clear, but we're living today in a society where purity is laughed at. We're living in a society today where anything that is holy and godly and right has been thrown out the window. We live in a society today where it is common for a man and a woman to live together and not be married. We're living in a society today where people will say things like, yeah, they're just sleeping around. Yeah, they're just shacking up. Or for married people that want to have relationships with other people other than their spouse. And by the way, that's wicked as well. It's kind of quiet on that one, but it's going to be a long message if I'm the only one amen it. But people like to use the terms like it was just an affair. It was just cheating. It was just a fling. It was just fill in the blank. The Bible terms are very different from what the world terms that kind of lifestyle. The Bible calls it fornication. The Bible calls it adultery. The Bible calls it lasciviousness and lewdness and youthful lust. And the Bible calls it sin. And the Bible calls it wickedness. So, well, pastor, why are we in this situation today? Why does it seem like it's not just the world, but it has invaded our churches, this idea that you don't have to be pure, and you don't have to be married, and you don't have to stay married, and you can have relationships. And and by the way, that's nobody else's business except for yours. I've heard that before. Well, friend, I'm not telling you what I think about it. I'm telling you what the Bible says about it. And I'd say it's kind of God's business. He's the one that created us. He's the one that gave us life and breath, and he's the one that gave us a Bible for us to live by. say, well, pastor, I hope you know this isn't popular, what you're preaching. Thank you for your information. I already knew that. And by the way, it wasn't popular in Jesus' day either. There was a man who was the king. His name was Herod. And Herod took his brother's wife and John the Baptist, the preacher, John the Baptist pointed his finger at Herod. He said, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And John the Baptist lost his head. Kind of hope I don't lose my head over this message. But I know we'll lose members. I know we'll lose people. I know, I know that I won't be voted most popular pastor in Roanoke oh, Rapids. I've, I've known that for eight years, so that's not a newsflash either. But I want to tell you, when I stand before the Lord, I'm not worried about what everybody else in the community is saying. But I'm very concerned about what God says. And I must preach the Bible, and we must believe the Bible. And if you don't believe the Bible, you've got no foundation for life. You see, I think we're in this mess, obviously because of our flesh, and obviously because of sin. But we have idolized the people of today in Hollywood, We have idolized the sports stars. We have idolized the politicians who live like the devil. And we think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I got news for you. We better get back to seeing things the way that God sees them. I don't know if there's such a thing. I'd be happy for you to correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't know if there's anything on TV anymore, anything, anywhere. I know you can find something from 50 years ago, but any current TV show or series that actually promotes holiness, that actually promotes a husband and a wife being faithful to one another, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite. That's mocked. It's glorified if you can have an affair. It's glorified. Let's see what we can get away with. Let's see how much fun we can have. Let's live it up. Can I tell you, that's not what the Bible says. And the Christmas story starts with the fact that there was a man by the name of Joseph who was just, and there was a woman by the name of Mary who was pure. She was a virgin. And God makes a point to say that these people were pure. I want to challenge our young people. I want to challenge our teenagers, and we've got... Children in here, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, we've got teenagers, we've got young adults, we've got those from the Crossroads Bible class and and, and young families and middle-aged adults. I want to challenge all of us to stay pure. If you're not married, your goal ought to be to walk down an aisle someday and stand at a marriage altar and say, I'm pure, I'm giving myself to my spouse, I'm giving myself to you. If you're here today and you are married, the goal for you is to stay faithful to that spouse you say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not saying your coworkers think it is. I'm not saying that Hollywood says it is or isn't. But I'm telling you what God says. We must be pure. The Bible says in the Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. In the New Testament, Jesus takes it a step further. Jesus said it's not just what you do, but it's what you think. It's what you look at. It's the, the, the lusts of the flesh. And, and may God help us to be pure. I don't belong to myself. I belong to the Lord. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and so is yours if you're saved. I read this stat this week that in the United States, there are 130 million households and only 18% of the households today have married parents with children. That is down 22% from 1970. Can I tell you, God placed his son in a home where there was a husband and a wife. God placed his son in a home where there would be an earthly father and there would be a mother. This is the goal. This is God's plan. So, Pastor, I'm here today and I haven't done it that way. Maybe you're watching online or you're listening on the radio and you say, "Well, well, what about me? I've messed up. I've done things I shouldn't do. I've gotten away from the Lord. I've I, I, I've ruined my testimony. I've ruined my marriage. I've done, you fill in the blank. You say, what about me? Well, I've got some good news for you. But you look at Matthew chapter one, the verses that we usually skip over or we skim rather quickly. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it says in Matthew one and verse number one, I want you to see it. You have to see this with your eyeballs, Okay. Matthew 1, verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Whoa. Remember the promise that God gave to David that there would come a king that would sit on the throne of David that would rule and that would reign? Well, guess what? David made some mistakes. Yet God was able to use a man like David. David was guilty of committing adultery with Bathsheba. Not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but then he had her husband murdered to cover it up. Look down with me if you would at verse number six. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Did you know that God can use people that have messed up? Hallelujah for the grace of God. Hallelujah for the forgiveness of God. You say, How did David get right? How did David get back on track? I'll tell you exactly how. David had a Psalm 51 experience. Where David said, I'm not going to continue in sin. I'm not going to cover my sin. I'm not going to justify my sin. But David said in Psalm 51, I'm going to confess my sin to God. And I'm going to ask God to create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. And I'm going to ask God to wash me and clean me. And can I tell you, God will do the same thing for you if you'll get it right. The people that God used, number three, God used people like David. Notice with me verse number three. And Judas, that is Judah, the son of Jacob, Judas begat Phares and Zara of Tamar. Now, we don't have time to go back and look at this, but I encourage you to go back and look it up. I preached on it. I think it was a year or so ago. Lessons from the life of Judah. Did you know that Judah and Tamar, you know what their relationship was? Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute. And Judah and Tamar had an incestuous, wicked relationship, and they had these twins that were born out of that. You know what you and I would say? They're done. God's never going to use them. You can throw them out in the trash. Guess what? God's not in the trash business. He's in the recycling business. And Judah got things right with God. You say, I don't understand that. I'd never do anything like that. Well, I got news for you. You and I, we have no idea what we would or wouldn't do were it not for the grace of God. But God used Judah. I'm not telling you that this is what I'm saying. This is what God said. He used Judah in the line of Christ. You say, well, he had to use Judah. No, he didn't. Jacob had 12 sons. He could have used Joseph. He could have used Benjamin. He could have used Levi. He could have used any of them, but he chose to use Judah. Verse number five, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. The Bible does not tell us this in the book of Ruth, but we see here that this woman, Rahab, who was in Jericho, the one that protected the spies when Joshua sent him. This Rahab, she was known as Rahab the what? The harlot. Say, God's never gonna use her. You wanna bet? Here she is in Matthew chapter one. And by the way, there's not a whole lot of ladies listed here, but Tamar's listed and Rahab is listed. And the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, she's listed. Guess what that tells me? There's hope for us. Because God uses people who have sinned and God uses people who have messed up because they didn't stay in sin. They got right with God. And they let God do a work from the inside out. Matthew 1, 6, we already saw. David and Bathsheba who committed adultery and yet God used them. I want to tell you, God uses people. I'm glad that God uses people even when the world has given up. Even when you and I may look down on people in your pharisaical way. got news for you. God can even use a Pharisee. He used the apostle Paul, who he said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, but God got a hold of me, and God humbled me, and God used Paul. And I'm glad that God can use us. I don't have time to give you my list, but God can use single parents. Single parents who have been in the right or single parents who've been in the wrong, but a single parent, you say, how can God use me? God used Hagar. Remember the story of Abraham? By the way, he's in here too, verse number one and two. Abraham, he had a baby with Hagar who was his handmaid. And then after Abraham had the baby with Hagar, Abraham and Sarah said, let's kick her out. Let's get rid of her and her baby guess what? God showed up and God spoke to Hagar. and He said, I'm going to take care of you, Hagar. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to meet your needs. And I want to tell you, God can take care of you, single parent. God can take care of you who has an unsaved spouse or a backslidden spouse. Just look at Timothy's mom. Just look at Abigail, whose husband Nabal was a wicked man. God used them. God can use somebody who has wicked parents. Look at the kings of Israel. So many of those kings, their parents were wicked, but God used them anyway. God can use somebody who has wayward children. Samuel was a prophet. He was a deliverer for Israel, but his children did not turn out. I got news for you. God can still use you. Don't give up on God. God used common people. Mary and Joseph were not wealthy. They were not rulers. They were not leaders. They were ordinary, everyday people like you and me, and God used Mary and Joseph, and God can use you. God used foreign people. Rahab was a Canaanite. Ruth was a Moabite. But can I tell you, God can use you no matter your background, no matter what side of the tracks you're from, uh, no matter what your social standing is, no matter what your skin color is, God can use you if you'll let him. That's the people that God used. And lastly, I see the power of God, and I don't have time to get into all this either. But the power of God in the virgin birth is that Jesus was miraculous in his birth. Can you imagine if you would have been there and you didn't hear the angel, but Mary and Joseph, they came and told you, they said, oh, you want to see our baby? And you'd say, oh, what a cute, that's what you always say when you see a baby, right? Oh, that baby's so cute. You haven't even seen it yet and you still say it's cute. Oh, that cute baby. And Mary and Joseph say, now listen, this isn't just any baby. This is the son of God. And you're thinking, yeah, right. That's a good one. I've never heard that one before. And you say, okay, well, God bless you. And you think, I wonder. I mean, by the way, would you believe it? Don't act don't all spiritual on me now. If you didn't have the Bible and you didn't know what you know, if you just met this couple and they said, this baby was born a virgin-born baby, you'd say, okay. Pat him on the back. Bless your heart. You know it. But what if you watched from a distance and you saw this baby grow up and you saw this baby begin his ministry and the first miracle, he turned the water into wine and you said, whoa, what just happened there? And then you followed the ministry and you said, oh my, there's another miracle. Those people came sick, but they left healed. Oh, and then you, you saw the feeding of the 5,000. You saw it with your own eyes, there was a little boy with a lunch with five loaves and two fishes and Jesus took it and he blessed it, and he broke it and he fed 5,000 men besides the women and children. You'd start thinking, maybe they were telling the truth about his birth because this man is miraculous. What if you were there when he said, Lazarus, come forth. You saw Lazarus come out of the grave, and everybody said he's been dead for four days. There's no way this could have happened. It's a miracle. Boy, you'd start to be thinking, Whew, maybe they were telling the truth. But what if you were there when he was on the cross and you heard him say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You'd say, Oh, well, there's a a good man, he's a loving man, he's a compassionate man, but he's gonna die just like anybody else would die. And you say, maybe His birth, maybe it wasn't so miraculous after all. He died on a cross and He was buried. but The difference is, He didn't stay down very long because three days later, on that Sunday morning, up from the grave He arose. All of a sudden, you're thinking, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Because nobody was ever born like that. And nobody ever lived like that. And nobody ever died like that. And nobody ever rose like that. Can I tell you, there is power in Jesus. And it all starts, I believe, with the virgin birth. I know Jesus. I know he has always been in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning. I know that. But the power of his birth is seen throughout his life his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and it will be seen when he comes back. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernet. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.